Well, we are, are continuing our series. Last week, we got the opportunity to hear from my friend, a friend of our church, Dr. Catherine Woods. She did a fantastic job. If you missed that sermon, I would highly recommend going back and watching it later. Not right now, but I got a little something to say uh, today. But I hope that you get a chance to watch that. She did a fantastic job preaching for us last week. But we're getting back into our series called Love Covers Over an Offense. And I'm trying to get us all to memorize this, this passage uh, during this series from the book of Proverbs should be up there first. There we go. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And I think in a lot of ways, we, in our society, the way that we live today, it's like we actually, when something offensive happens, we, it's like almost seems like a, a righteous indignation. Like, oh, I should be upset. And yes, there are times when you need to be upset. We need to stand up and, and say something. Um, oftentimes, I would argue that it is more like in community than with people that you aren't in community with, perhaps. And you need to have that conversation. We talked last week about how so important it is. Jesus gives us the advice to actually sit across from somebody and bring a problem to their attention. And I know for me, it's been such a blessing in my life when somebody has pulled me aside and said, hey, like, I need, I need to talk with you about something. And it's easy for us in those moments to get defensive, but it's important to actually move forward and to become more like Jesus to hear at times what it is that somebody has to say to us. But as we think about this, I think our world is just easily offended and like looking for ways. And it happens on, on both sides. I saw the show, I don't know if you've ever watched on Netflix, uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld pulls up in a ridiculously nice car and picks up a comedian, they have a conversation. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty easy, and they have some coffee. That's how they do it. And on an episode that he was with Steve Harvey, who is one of my favorite uh, comedians, I, I, Mandy says that family feuds my guilty pleasure. So um, I, I, I enjoy Steve Harvey, and he's having a conversation, and he talks about how when he was first beginning in comedy, uh, it was those who were conservative who like, were really offended all the time, those who were on, on the right, and there was all these lists and all these things like, oh, you can't say that word, you can't do that. And he said, it's been interesting to notice that as career has gone on, it's actually those who are on the left who are more vitriolic at this point. Because it used to be like, oh, there's these things. And now he says, like, it's interesting because it's the people who are mad about all of these other things. And he's like, it's just interesting how it's like both sides of the aisle can sometimes do this. So I know when we have this kind of conversation, you think like, oh yeah, this, I wish my aunt would listen to this. But like, we all need to hear this. And we all need to recognize the times and the ways that we participate in it. Because we need to recognize that snap judgments and living in this space where we're just easily offended isn't good for our hearts. I think for a minute about somebody who you really admire. Maybe it's a grandparent or a mentor of yours. And go ahead and turn to somebody if there's somebody near you or, or Say it in the chat if you want. Who's somebody that, that comes to mind when, when you think of someone that I really admire and I, I wish I could live a life like, like him or, or like her? So go ahead and, and share that with somebody or share it in the chat if you'd like. But who is it that comes to mind for you? Jesus, Jesus is a good answer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus is the, the winning answer. But hopefully uh, you have somebody who comes to mind who, who lived like Jesus, who was able to, to model that example. Your, mom, your mom's a good one too. So Proverbs 11, chapter 3, uh, sa says this, uh, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of the, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their du duplicity. It's a different, different uh, translation up there uh, from me, but the basic example is that if you are following on a path of integrity, that, that will 
guide you. And as you think about that person, whoever it was that, that came to your mind, I imagine that that person was someone who had solid character, who had solid footing, who at times stood for things that were, were important and they, they made their, their stands, but at times they also just showed you like consistent love. And at times showed you that you need to recognize that not everything in the world is, is your problem to deal with. So the book of Daniel is a fascinating book. And in that book, it tells about King Nebuchadnezzar, who's this very important and, and uh, somebody who has all of this power uh, in that time. And he ends up invading Jerusalem and taking over. And so he has a choice to make about what he's going to do with the city. And he decides that he's going to take the best and the brightest of that city and take them back uh, with him uh, into Babylon in captivity and then leave basically everybody else uh, behind. So Daniel verses chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 tells us this. And the king ordered Aphizanaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So you have the, the best and, and the brightest who are chosen, like we might as well just bring them back uh, with us uh, so they can be part of, of Babylonian culture and help us to advance our kingdom. And so then the story is told that Daniel is, is selected. And if you know anything about Daniel, you know that he was eventually in a lion's den. But um, this moment is like being chosen to go to Yale or Harvard or like the best school that you can possibly think of or, or the school that says it's the Yale or the Harvard of the part of the country that it's in. Because like we're actually that in this part of the country. But this is that moment. Like if you were chosen to be in the king's service, if you got this opportunity and this is one of those moments where dad pulls you aside. And unfortunately, in this world, women weren't considered very valuable. So it was men who would have been given this opportunity. But men would have been, you would have pulled aside and your dad would have told you, all right, just whatever you do, don't screw this up, basically. Like, this is an amazing opportunity. Maybe the speech that someone had with you before you went to college or something. Like, this is, this is an amazing opportunity. Just, just don't mess this up. Don't worry about your, your mother and I back here. Like, just don't worry about us back at home. You have a chance to make a real name for yourself. You have a chance to honor us. Just go to this place. Like what an opportunity it is that you have in front of you. And only are they going to get this kind of elite training, but they also get basically whatever food they would want. They get an opportunity to eat the, the finest of the meats and the wine of the king. I had a, a very small version of this when I went to college and I had a meal plan and I could eat pizza whenever I wanted. I was like, what, what a world. And it was about halfway through that time that I had gained my, my freshman 20 that uh, I, I remember thinking, that, and I, I know this sounds crazy, makes me sound really ancient, but calories kind of weren't a thing until I was growing up. You didn't really understand them necessarily. Um, and I know that makes me sound really old, but they, they weren't really a thing until like a, a few years into my life. And I remember thinking like, why is it that I've gained this way? I don't really fully understand it. And I went through my day and I was like, okay, what do I have for breakfast? And I was eating this giant chocolate chip muffin every day for breakfast. 
It was like just massive. And then I was like, well, it couldn't have been that. Like that can't be the problem. Then I like Googled calories in a chocolate muffin. And I was like, oh my goodness, maybe that is part of the problem. And I remember like having this distinct realization like, yeah, there's not really a huge difference between that and cake. Like it's like a very, very fine line. And so I just remember going off to college and it was, you know, you had pizza and chocolate chip muffins and you could just eat whatever you wanted. But I learned like midway through my freshman year, it's not really a good idea to do that. You perhaps like the restraint that your parents are trying to teach you for your health, it was for your good. And so I imagine Daniel being in this space and seeing like these foods and all of these opportunities and the wine and all this stuff and just being overwhelmed and thinking like, wow, what an opportunity. All this stuff is, is right in front of me. And Daniel 1.8 tells us this about Daniel. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for his permission not to defile himself in this way. And this, for me, is a moment, like if, if you're Daniel's dad back home, I mean, this is long before they may probably never had a chance to communicate again, perhaps, but don't be a squeaky wheel. <laughs> Just, just eat the food. Just don't worry about it. Keep your head low. What an opportunity. Why, why would you do this? But Daniel decides ahead of time that he's just not going to participate in this. And it's risky. And it makes him stand out not necessarily for what you would want. Like, why are you denying this stuff? This doesn't make any sense. Just eat it and enjoy it. You have been blessed. Then Daniel 1, verse 9 and 10 uh, continues to tell us a story. Now, God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should you be looking worse than all the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So to show how risky this is, this isn't just like the outsider who obviously the king wouldn't really care about whatever happens with Daniel, but the, the official is nervous. Like, hey, just, just eat it, dude. Just drink it. So I don't, like my life could be on the line. And so they end up having uh, this, this conversation. They decide, all right, we'll, we'll give you like a 10-day test. So if you just like deny all the food and just have the, the vegetables uh, and water, then let's see how you look after 10 days. And Daniel, as you already saw, was among the handsomest of the handsome. And after 10 days, he looks even more handsome. And they're like, all right, I guess this is all right. It's, it's going to work. And so Daniel ends up in in this position and he gets this opportunity. He's he's shown to be among the best and the brightest. And at the end of Daniel chapter one, uh, the passage tells us this in verse 21. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. And generally, as we read passages like that, we just read right past it because it doesn't really make sense. We have no idea who King Cyrus is. But that means that Daniel is there for 70 years. Just imagine that, that he is, is looked to and he's set up, set up, set himself apart. He's, he's doing this differently. 
And because of that, he is in this position for 70 years. I think about how when it comes to decisions in, in our lives, there's often like little tiny things that end up setting us on certain directions and setting us on uncertain courses. I think about all that food and how, how weird, we don't actually know what it would have looked like. Perhaps the food just like was delivered to your door or whatever, but maybe there was this, this feast every night and Daniel every night said, nope, no thanks. Nope. No thanks. Just imagine like all these fine meats, all this drink, all of this stuff that is elaborate and, and extravagant. And Daniel, every single night says, I'm sorry, like all y'all, you can have it. I'm not going to judge you for having it, but I'm not going to have it. I'm just not going to eat it. And what Daniel's life teaches us, I believe, is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. I think about our world today, and I know you're like, what does this have to do with love covering over offense? I'm glad you asked that question. It's a good question. I feel like what, what is in our way all the time, what's on our mind is just a buffet of information. Just as Daniel would have had this buffet of food and all of this unlimited stuff. Like it's just a buffet of information. And you have the opportunity to participate in it or not participate in it as much as you want to. And for most of us, we probably participate just a little bit too much because all this stuff is, is coming at us all the time. It's just in our face. We're, we're, we're thinking about it. We have it in, in our mind. It's just this, this buffet that is constantly in front of us. And it doesn't really matter. It's just like it's only a few minutes here or a few minutes there. But just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And it's easy for us as like these things are just going past us. And it's like, did you hear what some Instagram influencer who you've never heard said about like vaccines? And then you read the article or you actually don't read the article. You just see the headline and then you're like, well, I don't want to talk to that person ever. I don't want to think about that person ever again. It's like, well, you didn't ever think about them previously. So why is it? And there's just so much of this is just around us all the time and it is in front of us and, and we have the opportunity to just check out from some of that at times. And again, just because you can doesn't mean that you should because when we decide at times to spend like these moments just getting upset about all of these, these things from all of these voices and all of these places, it's not helpful for us. It's not helpful for our hearts. And if you stand for everything, it's possible that you end up standing for nothing. If you're thinking about putting out fires all over the world, like that, that, that isn't your job. And praise God that it's not. And praise God that it's not my job. And I think at times we allow ourselves to just eat at this buffet and it's not helpful 
for anybody. And then when there is some conflict that you probably should have with somebody, like you're not really used to it because you're used to just like reading headlines and you're not used to actually deeply engaging and understanding that at times people are a little more complex than you would first give them credit for. And think about how in our world, there are so few spaces. Church is, is hopefully a space where you get a chance to be around people who sometimes annoy you, who sometimes you're like, wait, you believe that? Because we get into these echo chambers and we're just continuing to be in this space and we need to recognize that just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Just because you have the opportunity to just live in these spaces, it doesn't mean that you should. And as you think about that person who came to mind at the beginning, who you, you recognize as someone who you want to live like and you want to be like that person someday, I imagine that that person drank from some pretty deep wells. That person spent some time prioritizing things that really, really did matter and spent some time doing stuff about those things. I think of Psalm 23, which is arguably the most popular passage in all of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He leads me beside quiet waters. Do you allow God to lead you beside quiet waters? Or are you just kind of running past? Because I think it is from that space, from the the God ordained, like, loving space that we actually can make the most and best difference in the world. If we are allowing God to keep our egos in check, because I know for me that, just as Jesus would say, the anger of Brian doesn't all, like, this is James, the anger of Brian doesn't often produce the righteousness of God. And you can insert your own name there. I don't know about you, but there's times when I need to drink from from these wells to say, God, lead me beside quiet waters so then from that space I can address the needs that I see in our world. Lead me beside quiet waters so sometimes I can have some conflict conversations and help to understand I'm not just going to think about like the the headline version of this person. I want to actually recognize their story and enter in. Lead me beside quiet waters so I, I can be part of this well. So I can participate in the ways that you're calling me to. So think this week, I would just challenge you to think about where the quiet waters are for you? Is it a passage in scripture that you can memorize? Is it a song that you get a lot out of? What would it look like for you to start to engage our world from that space? Say, all right, there's issues, there's there's frustrations that I have, but God, I want to let you lead me. God, transform my heart so that I can represent you in the world. Because I know for me, there's been times when I've done unchristian things for Christian reasons. When I've like maybe started in the right space, but haven't continued there. 
So may we lay beside the quiet waters that God leads us to. May we recognize that just because you, you can doesn't mean that you should. And just as, as Daniel, just think about those, those banquet scenes. I, I can't help but think of my, my friends and I. We used to go to Picanha, which was in Burbank. It's not there anymore. It was an all-you-can-eat meat place where they walk around with skewers, you know, one of those. And it was $15 at lunchtime. And so my buddies and I from high school, we'd go together. And my parents were there a few days later. And they said, those are, those are eating machines, those boys. So I, I think about that and that scene. And, and Daniel has seen all these extravagant meats going by. It has the opportunity and just... Every single mite says, no thanks. Because he's not just going to do what everybody else is doing. And he puts his trust in that space. And that doesn't always mean that his life is easy. You know Daniel and Lines, and there's stuff that's coming later. It doesn't mean that it's always easy for him. But he takes a stand for God in this foreign place. And he has a firm foundation because of it. May we... Allow God to lead us to quiet waters. Let's pray. God, may we submit our hearts and our lives to you. Lead us beside quiet waters. Help us to, to make a difference for things that matter in the world, to take stands, but... Let that always come from a place of, of deep love. Just allow it to be led by you and not our own anger or our own ego. Father, bless us as we try to do your work, but it is hard and that's why we need you. Your son, Jesus, and I pray. Amen.